0: Everybody and welcome to the Beauty Biz show. Today I'm introducing you to my guest. Her name is Gail Sagell, and she's the CEO of Faces Beautiful. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to put the Beauty Biz show on a little bit of hiatus as we roll into the summer months. My spa gets really busy and I'm in there every week, virtually every week working as an esthetician and a business owner. And I'm really devoting a lot of my time right now to get the live event that's going to be happening in October, October 1st and 2nd in Indian Wells, California. I'm devoting a lot of my time to making sure this is going to be a powerful event where we spend two and a half days together. So that's where my energy has been going. And if you want to know all the juicy details surrounding the live event, go ahead and check out beautybiz.live. All the juicy scoop is there. And if you sign up and get your ticket, you'll be emailed even more details about hotels in the area and how to find roommates and how to carpool to the event together and all kinds of great stuff. And If you want to check that out, it's beautybizlive.com. So I was going to put the beauty biz show on hiatus and Then I got a phone call from Gail's PR rep and we scheduled the call and I thought, okay, I'll record it now and then I can roll it out in a month or two. But I had so much fun interviewing Gail. She's an inspiration, I'm sure to any beauty biz owner, that I wanted you to have the opportunity to get to meet her because she's gonna be at the Vegas show June 24th, the weekend of the 24th. She's at booth 1580. Gail's PR firm sent me one of her products as a gift for having her on the show and it was so high quality and so amazing that it blew my mind. I'm not going to tell you what it is now. You're going to have to listen into the show and hear us talk about it. But again, I wanted you to have the opportunity to go meet Gail if you're going to be in Vegas. So I'm rolling the show out today. Stay tuned. Enjoy. And if any of you guys are in Vegas, I hope to run into you on the trade show floor. Thanks for listening in. enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to The Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders, and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. and welcome to The Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete, And today, our guest is Gail Sagel. And Gail has a really interesting story that I cannot wait to share with you guys. Hey, Gail, how are you? Hi, great. Thanks for having me on with you. Appreciate it. I'm so glad you're here because I think your story is going to be such an inspiration to our listeners. Where are you? Where could we find you today? Are you in an office? What state are you in? Let's give everybody a visual of where you are when we're here on the podcast together. I am in Westport, Connecticut, which is
1: about an hour outside of New York City, in our makeup and skincare studio which looks a bit
0: like a MAC studio with big flashes of hot pink. So, very cool. So you actually have a brick and mortar business in Westport. Correct. Now, my past life I was a flight attendant. What airport would I fly into to get to you? Uh,
1: you could come to LaGuardia, JFK, um HPN White Plains, uh, you know, uh Westchester. Or if you really wanted to go deeper into Connecticut, you go to Hartford. But most times will just come into New York.
0: All right. So I was reading your story, and we have something in common that I think we're going to hit it off and, and have a great conversation around. Uh, my former life, I was a flight attendant, and a tragedy actually was my segue into the beauty industry. And I want you to talk a little bit about your past. I know I thought, oh, my goodness, how did somebody go from having a degree – in economics and marketing to owning a brick and mortar beauty biz. So let's talk a little bit about how do you step into economics? Because that was my most challenging class in college. I wanted to fall asleep every day in it. And you must have found it fascinating if that's what you chose to get an education in.
1: Well, I double majored in economics and marketing, which should tell you a little bit about me right from the beginning, because I am totally right-brained and left-brained. I was
0: going to say, are you a Gemini or something? (laughs) No, I'm a Leo
1: with a Virgo rising. So the Leo being the creative part, the Virgo rising, the part that you have to dot every I and cross every T. I'm also very into astrology, everything natural, healthy, food, yoga, et cetera. Anyway, so yeah, when I was in college, I really loved the creative part of marketing and I really loved the logic part of economics. I mean, to me, supply and demand just makes a lot of sense. So I spent the first 12 years of my career actually working for a Wall Street firm. Uh, doing derivative trading, which means that most of my customers were oil companies, companies like, let's see, Gulf, Mobile Oil, Exxon. In France, I had Elf and Total. So companies that produce oil but also produce gasoline and all the byproducts of oil. And one of the things I learned along the way is that one of the byproducts of oil is actually something called petrochemicals. And petrochemicals are
0: the ingredients that are most often find their ways into cosmetics. Let me hit the pause button for one quick second, because this is in my notes. And can we, maybe this is where you're going, but I want to dive in. How does something like a petrochemical find its way into cosmetics?
1: Well, for years, petrochemicals have um, binders in them, and for years, everyone used them to hold products together and to make products because it was a great binder. Just like when you're cooking food, you need something that's, you know, like an oil to bind it together, and that was just the basic way to go. It, I mean, no one thought it was a problem. No one realized that th- that had toxins in it or that it might have negative side effects or that it might be irritating to women's skin or that it might be, you know, carcinogenic. No one thought about those things.
0: Would a paraben be a petrochemical? Because I know I've read somewhere that they use parabens to lube airplane engines. Yeah, I mean, they're all, you know,
1: a barrel of oil has so many different applications for our whole world. I mean, the bottom part of a barrel of oil is is tar and asphalt. And that's how you pave streets. And then you go up and you have things that, you know, you heat your home and you feed your car and then you make plastics. I mean, there's so many different applications people didn't realize that some of these applications would be harmful. When mineral makeup first came out, you know, you think about those loose powdered minerals. I understood intuitively why they, first of all, why they looked better on on women's skin, because they were so fine. They they gave a very smooth, nice finish, unless, of course, your skin was dry. But they just made a lot more sense health-wise because they weren't filled with any chemicals. They came from the earth. They were of minerals. They weren't petrochemical-based. And so that just made a lot more sense to
0: me. so when I finally left Wall Street and pursued my ultimate passion. But this is where I want to circle back to because you were knee deep in trading, using your degree in economics and marketing. And then a tragedy occurred that led you to the beauty industry. This was really what caught my eye in your bio. So we talk about, you know, sometimes opportunities do not show up at our front door in a beautifully gift wrapped box, right?
1: It was not that at all. So there are three things that sort of happened simultaneously. One was that I always loved art. And since I was very small, like five years of age, I was taking art lessons and I was painting, oil painting. So I always loved art. I always loved to paint. And then while I was on Wall Street, and I'm sure a lot of women have had this experience, and not just with Wall Street, but Wall Street in particular, I, I can't tell you who I got along with worse, my coworkers or my customers. But, but there was so much sexual harassment. It was just so rampant. I just was unhappy. I mean, there just wasn't a day I felt great. I mean, I never felt good in my own skin. I always was just uncomfortable and I didn't love my culture that I worked in. And so that was always going on. But listen, that was the career I'd studied for. And that was what I knew. So I didn't think I was leaving. And then a third thing happened. So one day while I was working for a hedge fund, and this is while I was, had moved from New York to Connecticut and my children were small. So I thought that when I worked at this hedge fund, I would ride my bicycle back and forth every day to work because. When you have children and you're a single mother and you're working, you don't really have a lot of extra time in your day to fit more stuff in like exercise. So I thought that I would ride my bike back and forth every day and that would be my exercise. So one day as I'm biking home from work, I got hit by a car. And that became my aha moment. I sort of said, oh my God, Gail, you are miserable with what you're doing. It doesn't make you happy. You almost had, like you really, you could have died from this experience. I mean, you know, I had contusions and, you know, this and that, but I, I was really overall fine. And I said, What are you doing with your life? You hate you like you need to figure this out. And it it wasn't wrapped in a perfect little package as you say. And I guess I would share that destinies really don't take a straight path because it took me a little while to figure out, well, what was I going to do with my life? Because going back to Wall Street in my mind was not an option.
0: Do you mind if I ask what age demographic you were in at this time, because I find it happens to a lot of women in their mid thirties where they have something happen and they go, Oh my gosh, I got to make a change.
1: Yes. I was um, in my mid to late thirties.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So what was the process that led you from, I can't go back to wall street to, I want to do something I feel really passionate about.
1: Well, the first thing, it didn't come to me straight away. And I said to one of my best girlfriends, who is still my closest girlfriend today, I said, I don't get why this career thing is so, so difficult for me. She says, I don't know why it is either. She says, Gail, you should do what you, what you do really well. I'm like, okay, well, what is that? She says, you have a really unique way of making women feel and look beautiful. I'm like, oh, I do and she's like don't you remember in college all the girls were lined up outside of your dorm room every Saturday night you dressed us you styled us you did our makeup you did our hair and every Saturday night we went out dancing and we had an amazing time oh my god I did the same thing
0: like my girlfriends would come (laughs) over and they'd sit on the toilet and I would curl their hair put their makeup on It was like my own little studio in my parents house (laughs) well I did this in college
1: and we I mean, big hair and big makeup was what was happening and choosing outfits carefully. And anyway, we had a ton of fun. I said, you know, I'm going to make a career out of doing this. So I I decided that I would become a freelance makeup artist. And then what happened was the companies I was freelancing for, they all wanted me to go to New York to be a celebrity makeup artist and to do high profile people. And at that time, my children were still so young that I really couldn't take the time to go back and forth to New York all the time. It takes an hour each time you do that. So I decided I would build a brick and mortar in my own backyard in Westport, Connecticut, where I would offer makeup and skincare services. When I first opened, I carried lots of other brands. I didn't have my own brand until actually a few years ago. It was kind of an evolution to get to to building my own brand.
0: Can I just hit the pause button for a second? Because I'm curious to know, when I decided to quit being a flight attendant and to enter the beauty industry, I got ridiculed. I felt like it was being ridiculed from my friends and my family going, why would you ever want to do that? You're never going to make any money. Did you get any of that? I
1: still get it. And people will say to me, well, you can't possibly make as much money you know, now as what you made on Wall Street. Well, first of all, I didn't make that much money on Wall Street back then. I mean, it wasn't, you know, with brokers and whatever. But if that is your only criteria for measuring success, if money is your only criteria for measuring success, then you should look at that closely when you choose what you want to do. But if there are other things on your list, if there's a work balance, if there's a you know, an interest in your passion, if there's an interest in customer satisfaction, if, if you have any desire to feel good about what you do, I mean, you need to make a long list of the pros and cons and your passions and what you like and what you're seeking and what you desire. And then you'll begin to figure out what you want to do. I happen to be a little selfish. So I'm going to share this with you, Lori. I really enjoy making women smile. I really enjoy when I have done a makeup transformation on someone or they bought a product that I've manufactured and they say, Oh my God, yeah, I love what you did. Or nothing makes me feel as good as when I wear this makeup or nothing makes me feel so great as when I come and you do my makeup for me. I mean, that motivates me. That makes me feel great. That's part of what makes me tick. So if you don't have that as part of your makeup, excuse the pun, then it's not the, the right you know, profession for you. So it's really important that every woman look at the things that drive them, the things that turn them on,
0: you know, what gets you going? This is just such an important message for our listeners, because I remember when I go, okay, I don't want to fly anymore. I don't want to go deal with terrorists at work. And I started asking one of the gals at my gym, she was a makeup artist on the set of Young and the Restless. And she goes, don't quit your day job. And then I asked my esthetician, she goes, oh, it takes about five years to build a big clientele. And then I told a pilot friend of mine, and he said, why would you ever want to do that? It, that sounds awful. And I just started crying. Yeah. And I, thank God I listened to my soul, my beauty biz soul, I call it now. And you know, it's funny, that same pilot, he was a dear friend of mine and so smart and so supportive that it crushed me when he said it. And he passed away about two years ago from cancer. And right before he passed away, he sent me a text and Said, I just can't believe how successful you've become. And great job, Lori. Aww. So, but gosh, thank God, you know, and I'm, it makes me feel kind of supported and good to be chatting with somebody like you that gets the feeling that we get sometimes when we choose to step into this industry. So tell me how you powered through the Negative Nellies and built what sounds like a really amazing business.
1: I think I'm always powering through. I think one of the most important things about being an entrepreneur in any field is being really agile and listening to what your customers are telling you listening to what is going on in the in, in the environment but i will also say that having an economics background has not hurt me and i'll share with you that when the recession came 2008 2009 i took one look at that and i said oh my God, I know what this is. (laughs) How am I going to survive this? That was when I actually made the decision. You're going to think I'm out of my mind, but that's when I actually made the decision to sell through every product line that I owned, which at the time was about 80 or so. I was like a little bit like a mini Sephora. And I decided I would sell through every product line I owned and at the height of the recession, I decided that I was going to build my own
0: brand. That is the time to invest. Now, going back to what I told you, economics bored me to death. When I was in college, I would have rather been out doing a million things. Now I use that supply and demand thing all the time. And what I learned from the failing economy is that is a time to buy it up and invest, right? right? Well, I
1: didn't have the money to do that necessarily, which is why I did made the decision that I would sell everything else that I owned. So I said, you know what? This is the time to invest in me. And if I don't believe in me, then who else is going to? And that's when I decided to create the Faces Beautiful brand. It takes a long time. I mean, I'm not exactly like Estee Lauder. So, I mean, product by product, one by one, part of it was private label manufactured. Part of it's contract manufactured. It's years. I mean, I'm constantly adding new things, getting rid of things, tweaking, developing. I think you must know about my latest product, which is
0: patented just years in the making. It these things take time. Talk about that in one second, because it's fantastic. But what I want to ask you is to go back a little bit, because I think you're really going to inspire some listeners. You made this sound like it was pretty easy, just deciding I'm going to open a brick and mortar. What was that process like? Because I feel like I say this all the time as a business owner, do you remember those blow up clowns that had the sand in the bottom of them that you had as a toy when you were little there, you could punch them. Yeah, uh-huh. That's what I feel like as a brick and mortar business owner. I get punched down every day and you have to pop back up. So how did you find a space? How did you know it was the right space? How did you build it out? Like give us a, you know, the readers digest version and inspire some people on how you made that all happen. That would be awesome. So
1: I actually started in my home. What I did was I took X amount of dollars and I committed it to a certain amount of inventory and I took one room in my home that was like very sunny and bright and I completely dedicated it to my business. And that room was solely used for purposes of of my business. And I said, I'm gonna do this for three months. Here's the entire amount that I'm willing to lose. I'm going to invest it all right at the very beginning. At the end of three months, if my sales are X and my customer base is Y, if I've turned my inventory over once, then I'm gonna go look for a space. If those things don't happen, then I will wipe my hands of this and say, okay, so I tried and I'll go get a real job.
0: Now, in the meantime, you've gone to school to learn how to become a makeup artist with small children and being a single mom. Is that correct? Actually, I really didn't because I had been studying oil
1: painting since I was a child. So there wasn't anything about painting that I I was going to learn from a makeup artist. I already knew it. I'd already studied it for years.
0: This is a gift to you almost, this industry, because it really taps into your passion and a skill set.
1: Yeah, and I also feel like all I really did was change my palette. All I did was change from painting on canvases to painting on faces. So texture, color, blending, all those things, they were already
0: very familiar to me. And how would you get your first few clients if you were doing it out of your house? So when your children are in school, every one of their mothers is your target
1: audience. (laughs) They were your beta test, so to speak. (laughs) Awesome. I did something else really crazy too, though. I'm looking at a picture of you. Obviously, you know, you and I have never met and you look like you have this beautiful long blonde hair. At the time that I was in the car accident, when I was on the bike and I was hit with the car, I too had long blonde hair. And when I decided that I was going to make over my entire career, the first thing I actually did was make over me. And I dyed my hair and I'm now, as you see from pictures, I'm a very dark brunette. So when I did the makeover, not only did I change my hair, change my hair color, my haircut and all my makeup and whatever clothing accessories I needed to do to make the look work for me, everyone was like,
0: oh my God, what did you do? What a cool approach and a cool way to spark interest.
1: So the, everyone was buzzing about, oh, my God, Gail, what did you do? I never saw one who, who could go from being a pale blonde to a dark brunette. Like, how, what? How, how did you do this? So it was, it was, that was like my, my signature.
0: You made yourself remarkable. People wanted to make remarks about you. That's an awesome way to start a new biz. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. Very cool. Well, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about your latest and greatest invention because it is so cool. And after you explain to everyone what it is, I want to tell you what my thoughts about it. And then my first impression, because it surprised me. So tell everybody what you've been investing time, energy, and money into lately. So I created a product that is called face in a case.
1: It's a really fun name. So what face in a case is a makeup palette that comes in all the neutral colors. So eyeshadows, blushes, bronzer, lip gloss, mascara, and brushes are all beautifully curated. So they match and work with each other. They're all magnetized. So they go inside of this little clutch bag and the clutch bag is beautiful on the outside. Like the colors are amazing. They're patent and sort of like a gold metallic and another one is leopard. And you look at this clutch bag and you think, oh, I'm good for the night, I'm going out. But the clutch bag, when you open it, it's also a wallet, so it holds your cash and your credit cards, and it holds your makeup palette magnetically. Now, what's really cool about the product is you can throw it in your handbag or your tote for the day, or you could take it out with you at night, whichever way you want, and it can carry your makeup for you if you wanted to, but since the makeup is all magnetic, as are the brushes, if you want to put it back in the little container that it comes in, you can just take it out and, like put a lip gloss in it or put your eyeliner in it, or you could just put your cell phone in, like you could do whatever you want. So my reason for creating was that I know we're all so busy. It's hard to keep ourselves pulled together all the time. Most of our makeup products at home are all really big. So I wanted to make makeup that was, it's all vegan and it's made without parabens and it's beautifully coordinated, and it's just enough size to touch up with. It's travel compliant, back to your flying days. TSA is not going to take away from you. It's just a great way to stay touched up and pulled together when you're going away for the weekend, especially if you're traveling like you know with a guy. Like last thing you want them to see is you travel with 6,000 things. You just grab your face in a case and one of the pallets, and you're good to go. Yeah, I'm just trying to make busy lives for women a little bit easier.
0: I'll tell you my take on it now, Stephanie. I'm, Your coordinator of business action, let's just call her that. She said, We want to send you, you know, Gail's her face in a case kit. And I said, Okay. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, because of this show, you wouldn't believe what I have right now for products and makeup. And like I can't even touch half of them. But I go, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna be gracious and grateful. Please, yeah, send me one. So she sends me one and I took it out of the case and I'm like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Because it really does look like a little tiny purse that you would take out. Yeah. And then my second thought was every single flight attendant in the world should have one of these. So I think you should start doing Facebook ads targeting flight attendants. And I will even be your spokesperson on that because right. that, that's some low-hanging fruit for you in the sales department. So I opened it up, and I needed a mascara. And I expected, because usually when people do something like this, it's not high-quality products inside. And you can tell a product by its mascara. So I opened it up. I put it on and I'm like, this is gorgeous mascara. And I'm picky, picky about my mascara. So that was my first impression. I'm like, okay, great product inside. And then... My sister is going on kind of an eat, pray, love trip mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. she is going through a breakup and and she decided to go to Italy for three months this summer. I'm calling her trip the more eat, work, drink trip. That's what she seems to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, great. That's great. For five days, I heard every day, I can't fit everything into my suitcase. What am I going to do? So I stared at this case and I thought, I love my sister so much. I'm going to gift this to her. So she can take it to Italy and I'll get myself another one when I need it. So I brought it to her house and she opened it up in front of all of our girlfriends and everyone went nuts. First, my sister's reaction was, this is so cool. She said, but God, I wish my cell phone fit in it. These are all my colors. She was so excited. I said, they're magnetized. Take it out when you go out at night if you don't want all the makeup in there and put your cell phone in. So It eliminated so much stuff from her suitcase, a little purse, makeup, and then everyone there wanted one. So I have to go share. They could buy it all on Amazon. We just opened our Amazon store. Because a lot of my listeners own spa-type boutiques in retail areas. Do you wholesale them for people like me? Oh, my God. We're actually going to be at the IBS show in Vegas um, June 24th through
1: the 26th. But-
0: oh, I get to come meet you. I'm going to be there, too. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to come say hi to you. But give everyone at this point your website because they're probably dying to go see what we're talking about just so they can check you out and check your products out. My website is facesbeautiful.com,
1: F-A-C-E-S-B-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L, facesbeautiful.com if you're looking to wholesale the product definitely shoot me an email my email is gail g-a-i-l at facesbeautiful.com if you just want to buy one and get one shipped to you I mean, you should go to our amazon store because they always have great deals and they ship um, prime so you have it you know tomorrow that's like a really quick way to get it too
0: well, my sister got the case without the mascara in it because I snagged that, and I really do like it. We'll send you. We'll send her another mascara. <laughs> uh, she's okay. She's in Italy now, so she'll be fine. But she was so thrilled with the product, and I can't. Like I said, I feel like a lot of times people put together kits, and it's not super high quality content inside it. Yours blew my mind. I love it. I think every girl should have one. I'm also, I don't do well with details. So before I do these shows with people, I like to just show up and wing it. But this morning I started researching your story and your product and I couldn't stop. Like I was fascinated with everything you've done right down to even the three cases. How did you pick those out? They're all timeless. They're like a little black
1: dress, so to speak. Yes, So thank you for noticing that. So there's a lot of great face-in-the-case stuff that's going to be coming. Like this is just the very beginning of what face-in-the-case the product line is going to be all about. But when you start, you have to start with your basic classic little black dress. So the black patent one is, I mean, you have to have a, a great black. And I trimmed everything in yellow gold, not because I don't like white gold, but to me, I'm a yellow gold kind of girl. And eventually, as we go on, we'll have white gold and brush golds and all sorts of, you know, white golds and everything. So, but I started with the black and the gold. And then you have to have a metallic. So the metallic that I chose looks sort of snake-like, but it's really neither yellow gold or white gold. I call it champagne because it's somewhere in the middle. And regardless
0: of which metallic you like, it's going to match everything. Well, that's just so neutral. You're right. That can go with any outfit. Right.
1: And then the then I chose an animal print because I am such an animal print kind of girl. And eventually we'll have lots of animal prints from zebras and cheetahs, et cetera. But I started with leopard. I love that particular leopard print because being that the case is small, it's only six by four, I wanted to have a, a, a print that would show up really well on a small case. And then I wanted the three cases to photograph and look well and sit well together and tell a good story. So the three classics, you've got it. You own these three. You're good to go. And coming down the line in the future, there will be a lot of other cases to choose from and a lot more makeup to choose from.
0: I just think too, for anyone listening in, if you have that person in your life, whether it be your mother-in-law or your sister-in-law, or maybe even a client that's getting married and you want to get them a really unique, special gift, you got to check out Gal's website because I can't, the whole party went nuts. How often do you give a gift where people go, oh my gosh, that's incredible. It was the talk of the party. It. Yeah. I love it.
1: That's, that's so awesome. I'm so thrilled to hear that. And I can't believe you're going to be at the show in Vegas. Now I'm
0: super excited to see you. <laughs> I know. I'm definitely going to come meet you. But wait, I, this year there's two separate parts. You're going to be at the aesthetic part. That's where I always go. Yes. I'm booth
1: 1580. I will be at the aesthetic part it's right next to IBS. If you buy a ticket to one, I think it allows you to go back and forth between the two. It's at the Las Vegas Convention Center, June 24th through 26th.
0: Yeah, it's the I Show, And last year, they just started where you could co-mingle the, the different uh, trade shows. So yeah, I'm definitely going to come say hello to you. Yes,
1: super excited. I just this conversation today. Who knew that it would lead to a real person meeting? That's
0: awesome. I've been lucky enough to be in careers where it's almost like a sorority. So if I run into a flight attendant, we're best friends within like 10 minutes, no matter where they live, where they've worked. And the same thing with the beauty industry. If you meet a hairdresser or a nail tech, chances are you're going to be buddies with them right away. I think we all have a lot in common. Very much so. Very much so. So, very, so tell me what it takes because I think this is something people are curious about. Is this your first trade show or have you done a few of them?
1: No. Oh, my God. I'm a virgin. It's my very first. <laughs> I've shopped trade shows before, but I've never had a booth. I'm like, oh, scared. So many details. It's a lot. I mean, we're getting our shipment together right now to you know we have to ship it out there. Yeah, I'm a little overwhelmed.
0: (laughs) Well, I've only worked them before for vendors. Like they'll hire me for the weekend to come in and do demos for them or whatever. And I just know I love doing them, but I don't know what the behind the scenes work is. That's what I was going to ask you about. So I guess I'll have to have you back on the show. And maybe you can tell everyone what, what having a booth at a trade show actually really consists of. Because when you see people there, they're always smiling and their makeup's perfect. But I know a lot goes on behind the scenes. We've been planning this already for two months. So, and
1: now we're like to the nitty gritty of actually packing our boxes, you know, coordinating all of our printed materials, all of our handout materials, what we're actually doing at the show. I mean, I'm not one of these people that's just going to take a booth and just stand there. Like I'm a very interactive kind of person and I'm taking three people with me for our booth. That way we'll always have two on the floor and two at the booth because I believe in walking around and talking to people while you're at the two shows, not just standing in your booth, like with your hands folded saying, okay, everyone's going to come to me. I mean, of course I know you're going to come to me now because you know my booth number, but I'm just not that kind of person. I feel like you have to make the most and reach out to people and share with people. So the way that our printed material is set up and the way that my girls and I are prepared to interact at the show is very much putting ourselves out there and going out to meet people, not just waiting for them to come to our booth.
0: I feel like there just brings the word connection to mind. And that's how you really grow and start getting exposure within the business. So I love that you're going to put yourself out there like that. I don't have any sales reps or distribution yet. So we even made signs like
1: so people when they walk by our booth, if they see that sign, they say, oh, maybe this is a product they want to you know, carry in their bag. You know, people rep typically lots of things at once.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know, because I do coaching and consulting for a lot of spa industry gals, and a lot of people are looking for something, a little extra money working outside of the treatment room or something they feel passionate about sharing that product with other people. So I wanted us to be viewed as professional in this industry. And it's women like you, they're out there brave enough to be doing these cool things that help lift the rest of us up. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so sweet because sometimes I feel like it's women like me that are stupid enough to be doing these things.
0: <laughs> I think if you own your own business and you're selling anything, you've got to be slightly crazy. And I lumped myself into that category as well. So <laughs> at least we can support each other along the journey. That makes it a little easier. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about your product, your website? You know, I think the best thing I could tell them about my product
1: is I created it because I was listening to what women always tell me they want and need. So I think that if you're ever going to try a new beauty product, that you really should try this one because it really was inspired by listening to women all the time. And I just wanted to give you guys back just what I heard, you know, that you're saying that you wanted. And so I think it would be something that you would really enjoy. And I created for that reason.
0: I think if you can make anything in anyone's life a little more convenient than they're used to it being, that's got success written all over it. That's why the nickname for this product is called Beauty for the Busy. Yeah, I love that. Is that your tagline? That's so incredible. It goes perfectly with the product. Like what woman do you know today that isn't busy? We're all so crazy busy. Oh, I do facials in Los Angeles and I'll get ready to do the final step, like put the face mask on my client and I have to shove them back in the bed. They're getting up and getting dressed. And I'm like, we're not done yet. You're supposed to be enjoying the self-care. So we are busy and we want to look good and we want to look good fast. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's wind up with you just sharing a few entrepreneurial type beauty biz success tips. Sure. Well, I think
1: that one thing that I want to share is it's really important whatever you're whatever you're pursuing to always listen to the signals out there and to what your customers are telling you because you want to be able to be agile you want to be able to be flexible i think it's also really important that you follow your gut you follow your instincts that you really need to be in touch with what's happening in your stomach that <laughs> if it's gurgling you should know what that means if something sounds too good to be true it probably is if something probably if something doesn't feel right It probably isn't right. Your business intuition is so powerful. Yeah, exactly. And I also think you have to be forgiving to yourself because you will make mistakes along the way. And you can't view a mistake as an obstacle. First of all, if you never make a mistake, you'll never get it right. Because I don't know anyone who doesn't make mistakes. People who don't make mistakes are people who don't live. Those mistakes that you make, you can't view them as obstacles. And when things go wrong, you can't view those things as obstacles. You have to view them as opportunities. And I liken it to playing, and this sounds kind of silly, but I liken it to playing the game of solitaire, like on your phone or something. When you play solitaire, especially if you ask for it to come up as a solvable solitaire versus a random so you know at the outcome you're going to be successful. You know, the outcome of that game is that you that it's possible to win because you you asked for it to be solvable. But some games are still really hard and it's to get the cards to all shuffle, so you win. And you have to view your business the same way. You have to know at the outcome you're going to be successful. But there are so many things that happen along the way that destinies do not take a straight path. Business does not take a straight path. And every time you hit an obstacle, You have to view it as an opportunity and another chance to veer another direction or another chance to make a new or make a change in business
0: or react differently. Yeah, opportunities are really your chance to improve upon something. And we all want that. Correct. Exactly. I don't know about you, but it may come with age. It may come with being a business owner, but I, I so do not get derailed by my mistakes anymore. Sometimes I laugh at them. Sometimes I don't even think about them after they happen. I'm like, oh, well, let's move on. So I think, I don't know if it's age and I, or I don't know if I've made so many now and I notice that my life hasn't stopped or, <laughs> you know, anything. Do you feel that way? The more you make them, the more you just kind of like, go, oh, who cares? Move on.
1: Sometimes but I think for myself personally, I tend to be really hard on myself. And I tend to go back and analyze each mistake. I don't think I let it go as easily as I should. So that is one of my own things. But I do recognize that every one of those obstacles or mistakes is an opportunity to do it better. And my goal is, and my focus is at the end game. And the end game is success. And I have my own definition for what that means, as should everyone else. So I think it depends on each person. I do have something I want to share that... um, that I find helpful to think about. I'll, um, it's just one of my little quotes that I tend to remind myself of. It goes like this. Say, life is a little bit like a closet packed with clothes. If you don't have any empty hangers, you'll have no room for anything new. My feeling on that is that don't have everything so figured out. Leave space for new thoughts to enter your mind. Leave space for new things to happen because you might find that, that you've come across something even better than what you had. But if you have no space, it's never going to get there.
0: I absolutely love that. Have some empty hangers in your closet. Yeah. That is amazing. And you know what? What a perfect timing for me. I just cleaned out all my closets. So maybe that means something new and exciting is coming my way. (laughs) There's space right now all over in my life. My clients call
1: my little quotes that I share with them. And, you know, I've written two books. One is Making Faces Beautiful and the other is called Face It. And I share all my little quotes in my books. And another quote that I share that my clients love is um is this one there's no limit to the number of times that we may be tested before our real passion is unleashed or revealed even to yourself so that just kind of means like ladies never give up you know you just gotta keep persevering and there's 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 not a limit of like okay i did this wrong 15 times i forget it i'm not doing it anymore if you, if you have a goal and you have a passion and you know in your heart of hearts that's where you belong and what you want to do and your stomach's cooperating and your heart's cooperating, then you just have to keep doing it until you figure out how you're getting
0: there. I love it. And it's true. If you believe this is what you're supposed to be doing, find a way. Do not give up and just tweak things as you need. And you know what? Like I said, I couldn't stop looking at your stuff today because I was so impressed. I cyber stalked you for quite a while. I almost missed my workout at the gym. But um, I want to ask you some business questions about your website and the spa services that you offer. I'm just curious. I noticed that you do your first eyebrow for $50 and then from there on out, it's $30. And how do your clients receive that? And what do you do so you had added value in that first appointment?
1: Well, the first brow shaping is actually a shaping. So eyebrow shaping that I do or... Any of my estheticians or makeup artists who work at Faces Beautiful, the first thing we do is we figure out what shape is going to look best on that person's face. Mm-hmm. So our brow shaping is not like a brow cleanup. It's not like oh, let's just remove excess hair. We actually figure out the best shape and we help the client to get there through tweezing, brow filling, brow tinting, whatever whatever t- it takes in order for us to to help them get there. Of course, each service is you know is additional, but the brow maintenance is once we have the shape in place our clients come in typically about every 3 to 4 weeks to just maintain the shape that we put into place
0: and i feel like you really created a nice funnel because then not only do you do your first eyebrow 50 then 30 but you also offer brow series which creates loyalty and gets them in more often i assume absolutely
1: we sell every service that we do we sell in series
0: and is it just you do a certain amount, like five, and then your six is free? You keep it simple that way?
1: Everyone's the same thing. So if, whether they're coming in for facials or anti-aging peels or glycolic peels or eyelash extensions, whatever they're coming, every series, you buy five and you get the 6-1 complimentary.
0: I love it. I was just curious about how you did that because it creates a great funnel. You get them in. You really have a nice consultation with them. They pay a little more for it, but then they know, like, and trust you, and you mm-hmm. funnel them into – That loyalty program of the Brow Series.
1: Correct. But the the Brow's for us is a real door opener because, you know, it's immediate gratification. And when they come in for eyebrows, it really opens a conversation every time they're there to talk about other things. You know, what are your skincare concerns? What products are you currently using? What treatments are you currently using? Makeup conversations, really conversations about everything. So It it creates a nice closeness, and we don't do our eyebrows. I mean, I know a lot of places do. We don't do it lying down. We do our eyebrow services all sitting up, so it really is a nice face-to-face conversation, and you actually become, you know, very friendly with your client.
0: I love that, and I learned with the client, you know, lying down on the table. I cannot do an eyebrow when they're sitting up. Maybe I could with some advanced training in it, but it's just not the way my eyebrow brain is trained at all.
1: My whole staff is trained that way. And the reason being is that, especially as women get into their 40s and 50s, their face lies down when they lie down too.
0: Oh, yeah. You look a lot younger. <laughs> I am speaking from it's
1: experience. It. And the other thing with the most important reason that we all do eyebrows with their, our clients sitting up is that we like to see their eyes open. So not that we don't ask them to close their eyes from time to time because we don't want hair to fall in their eyes. But we choose the brow placement based upon where the pupil and the iris lie in their eyes so to me it's not about how great their eyebrows look when their eyes are shut I don't care how great their eyebrows look when their eyes are shut I only care about how great that eyebrow looks when they're in a conversation with someone and where the iris and where the pupil lie in relationship to that arch is all I really care about
0: and I can't figure that out if their eyes are shut Oh, that makes total sense. I am moving around that table a lot. Open your eyes, close your eyes. Let me see this measuring stuff out. So, you've just done it in a way that's probably a lot easier than me having to dance around my client in every way shape
1: or form. Maybe side easier. It just it just it's just part of our formula. And you know, it also helps us, you know, everyone is asymmetrical, as you know. So, every woman's face, the right side sits closer to the nose, the left side sits closer to the nose, one side sits a little higher, one side sits. I mean, everyone's asymmetrical. But when a woman is sitting straight on in your chair and you're looking at her straight on and you could see where her eyes are, you see her arches, you see her irises, you know exactly where that asymmetry lies. And that's the first thing that I teach anyone doing eyebrows is figure out your asymmetry before you do anything, figure out where the asymmetry is. Because when you go to do their eyebrows, we're not doing them straight.
0: We're doing them crooked to counterbalance the asymmetry. I'm looking at your book right now because I think you talk about this in there. Yeah, I talk about it in, um, are you reading the Making Faces Beautiful book? I, have it, I took notes all over it this morning, things I wanted to make sure that I asked you when we were on the phone together. So yeah, yeah, you do explain this in here. And I love how you have like real life pictures of the process as well.
1: They're all real girls. I mean, these are all real clients. They're not models. They're all real clients.
0: Okay, so before we end the call today, I'm going to put you on the spot. And what I want you to do is just be honest and tell me the first thing that comes into your brain. And that would be, what from your degree in marketing have you used the most in creating a successful beauty biz? One tidbit of marketing information that you go, gosh, I'm glad I learned this in school. I use it all the time.
1: So I would say it's patience. I learned in school that there's a seven-touch rule, that you typically need to touch each person seven times, could be seven different ways, but seven times before they actually respond. And it may be more than that now with all the noise online, right? Well, let's take your, your group of friends, for example. Your friends that were there when your, when your sister opened her gift. So seven, however many people, saw my face in the case. They all loved it, but I don't think those people have bought it yet. Oh, no. There are lots of cocktails. I'll probably have to remind them. <laughs> They're sober. Takes patience, so that's if I could impart anything on everyone, is that marketing takes patience, and you have to be consistent, and you have to come up with new ways, and people don't just always respond right off the bat. It takes seven different times, and you you have to have patience, and patience is not one of my strong suits. (laughs) I just
0: say, women in general, I think that goes for many of us. You know, it's funny because I just finished up. I teach a class called the Marketing Protocol, and one of the gals in our final module. Q&A session said, I feel like a nuisance. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you can't feel like a nuisance when it comes to marketing. And you hit different people at different times with your marketing message. So you're right. You have to be consistent and patient. I love that bit of advice. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, Gail, I know you have a train to catch and I can't wait. I'm going to go do your intro so I can get this out as soon as possible. But I'm going to for sure come by booth 1580 and give you a big hug and say hello.
1: Oh, I look forward to it. I'm not going to
0: Vegas without meeting with you. That's not happening. <laughs> I'll be there, I promise. But tell everybody listening in, those who don't get to go meet you in Vegas, your website URL just one more time before we go. You can find me at facesbeautiful.com. You can email me directly at gail
1: at facesbeautiful.com. And if you want to buy our Faces Beautiful products and have them delivered immediately, you can go to our Amazon store and just put in either my name, Gail gel. You can put in Faces Beautiful. You could put in Face in a Case and you'll get it immediately.
0: Well, thank you so much, Gail. This has really been fun and I look forward to meeting you in a few weeks. Oh, Lori, so do I.
1: You've been awesome. This has been the highlight of my day. Love it. Oh, good. Awesome. Well, safe travels and I will be meeting you soon. Okay, I look forward to it. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to The Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, six simple strategies to generate a dramatic increase in your beauty biz income and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com. Or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. Thanks again for tuning into the beauty biz show.